Surprise. What's up? Oh my god. <laughs> nice. Oh my god. I feel like a hundred times more comfortable. <laughs> Wait, really? You didn't feel comfortable with me? Uh, not to say anything bad about you. I just generally feel more humble and modest without my best friend around. <laughs> wow, I don't know how I feel about that. I'm I'm <laughs> like that, like, well, I, I just got back from Paris. And what was the weirdest thing I saw was that a lot of cafes had like teddy bears that are chilling in chairs. You know what I'm saying? You know what I'm talking about? Teddy bears. What in... is that? Like, like a... Like in what ways? Like just creepy? Yeah, it's or... just like so creepy. But I don't know. It's like for some like Instagram aesthetic, or maybe it's just like this is like a friendly place or whatever. But now I think about it, I'm like comparing myself to this bear. Like I don't want to be that bear. <laughs> oh my god! But is it just there as like an interior design, like addition to interior design? Or... No, no. Like a lot of a lot of cafes have that. I'm. It was so bizarre. It's it's like. Yeah, they would just be chilling. Maybe I don't know if it's like if you're a tourist or if you're just like hanging out and you want to like you you're just by yourself and you're just like I don't know if you need a friend or anything like that. But that would be just weird, honestly. Now I think about it. That it's know. it's crazy you bring that up because um I was just looking at the Chucky dolls like 24 hours ago. Like, oh. and I was just like, I want to start collecting them because they're so weird looking <laughs> and scary. Like, I want to start collecting Chucky dolls. That's how you know you've hit a certain age when you start collecting things. And especially when those are the things that don't really make any sense. At all. But, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah, definitely. I mean, not to bring up bears again, but like getting older, I didn't know that Build-A-Bear was still a thing. And did you know, like, Build-A-Bear did a, like, a a collaboration with RuPaul. Really? <laughs> I'm surprised like Republicans didn't complain about that. Wow. Right. Do you know what Build-A-Bear is? I don't think like I'm so behind in all of these no. cultural things. It's, because... it's not. It's just the American mall culture. Yeah. So like American culture things because like I grew up in a country where we didn't have shit like that. So a lot of the times so I'm just like, what are you talking about? <laughs> Yeah, that is one of the things I wonder, like, what are we talking about? And it's like kind of, I mean, Aloysia, you were born in the States, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so was I. And we're quote unquote Americans, but like we have this like Build-A-Bear situation. We don't talk about it, though. <laughs> it is weird because I think here in the States, people use Build-A-Bear as like a way to court people the courtship like you go on a date oh, and you take someone yeah. to build a bear you make like a cute teddy bear for them when i first came to canada i started my high school in a small town well not a small town but like a smaller town than toronto uh hamilton and uh, there was a mall and they did have a build a bear store it didn't look like it was popular i feel like something like that would be popular maybe like i don't know 30 years ago when you would like give someone a bear as a date gift or something right but now you're bringing rupaul to the date yeah, yeah they make weird ones like black panther build a bear and stuff star wars ones yeah it's crazy branding oh i remember i remember that 
I did walk into a store. Okay, now <laughs> I do have a recollection of walking into a store and like holding a Build-A-Bear and they have this weird thing. You can install a machine that would imitate heartbeat. So when you hold the bear, it feels like there's heart that's beating, which is kind of creepy. I'm surprised Barbie hasn't come up with that yet. I mean, right now Barbie's going off. Yeah, with it, the with the films and the the way you the way you describe their heart beating, either that could be like the most cutest thing ever, or it could be like some weird like Viking sacrificial ceremonies that sound like something out of the north man dude that sounds kind of weird (laughs) yeah no it felt like they ripped a heart out of some living animal and stuffed it into a stuffed bear (laughs) that's how it felt i mean i going back to chucky you're gonna get a chucky doll in the mail and it's gonna have a heartbeat i mean i collect weird stuff i have like a godzilla doll like i collect like like kaiju do you have anything i don't have anything weird sitting on my desk (laughs) the weirdest thing is probably like this book on email (laughs) on email marketing that's my life now (laughs) you collect i mean you at least you collect like guest books um i heard that i mean i didn't hear but growing up if you we're dating someone and you first bring them back to the house and they don't own any books. That's like serial killer uh, behavior. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's like my brain is so warped by experience of immigration that I kind of like accepted that I currently don't have as many books as I would want to because I'm so used to moving all the time. So I can't really like afford having books because that would mean like I would need to constantly ship them. Um, But I I did kind of like start collecting books. um, And that started in 2019. I, I did my bachelor in psychology. And then when I came back to Ukraine during one of the breaks, I went to like a flea market and they had a really cool psychiatric uh, encyclopedia from USSR from the 60s and uh, or 70s. And it was like insane because now um, half of the stuff that I found in the book would not be allowed to be shot because like you can't just like right. fill a person who's like, well, medically considered to be unwell. But there it's like, you know, it's it's like an almost like an animal encyclopedia which sounds really bad but like they would like take photographs uh, of people in different states like psychosis things like that and they would like write descriptions and I was like oh my god this is so cool I need to have it so that's how I started collecting weird books or like rare edition books on stuff that I find interesting I feel like during the (laughs) that description (laughs) is making me laugh because like the stuff i would read about uh the ussr and like with like medicine and science like some of this stuff would just be immortal science of like stalin and, and i'm just like y'all are just these are just guys making stuff up because they don't want to get killed and they would be like diagnosing people they would even I, I, there's this one there was a farmer i think he was in ukraine he made like a weird science saying that oh uh, well, what was he trying to do he was like basically say he could like make groom the plants into absorbing the science of Marxism Leninism. It was like pseudoscience. He was like a farmer in <laughs> that worked for Stalin in Ukraine. It was so weird. It was like pseudoscience. Yeah, 
it's just weird stuff that is that is that what people in the west have been eating that then they go on twitter and like shit uh liberal pro-russian propaganda yeah <laughs> no yeah yeah it's like teenagers who download pdfs and they read them and they would just like post excerpts or screenshots to like argue with people and i'm like you're quoting stuff that was somebody said 40 years ago that was debunked like come on now <laughs> yeah i love that you brought up unwell only because the fact that when i have people on the show that they've been on it's about to come out they always like get back to me being like rashad i don't i don't know if you can put that out of me because like currently, <laughs> right now i'm like unwell and i'm just like everyone that's been on the show is unwell me included like you're fine. And then it comes out and everyone's like in love with like the episode. Um, yeah. Can you actually give a bit more background now that we're on the show? <laughs> you can give <laughs> more background on the show. Because I was, because uh, like when you read a description of Wear Mini Hats, uh, you have a cool slogan saying, uh, we talk about your main gig, but mostly a side hustle. And I was like, do I have a side hustle? <laughs> uh, what am I going to talk about? everything basically everything it's we actually kind of are getting rid of the slogan thanks i appreciate the kind words on the slogan only because like it's how everything evolution has like changed with our culture of like working like work culture so you know like the girl boss era and then like now yeah. the side hustle era and now it's like we want that to end and so that's yeah. why I kind of dropped it and just made like this pot like a it's like a more broader podcast. It, it it originally started as like a comedy and then it shifted into like arts, and now mm -hmm. I'm just like um, open source basically. Yeah, uh, basically. <laughs> Free for all, Smash Brothers style. <laughs> <laughs> and this is Wear Many Hats presented by Disarm. You can check out all the episodes of the Wear Many Hats podcast on all platforms and at wearmanyhats.com. WMH and Disarm is made possible by listeners like you. Thank you. Violetta Petrova is the marketing comms lead at St. Javelin. Violetta is an aspiring web developer with a background in psychology and digital marketing. She is passionate about education, developing brand identities, and building websites that drive businesses forward. I met Violetta at How Memes Shaped the War in Ukraine, a discussion by Violetta Petrova and Aloisa Wilmoth, also known as MoMA PS5. The conversation by St. Javelin at Chashama is an intersection of media, politics, and culture in the context of the war in Ukraine that was curated by artists Ara Lupu and in part of the Ukrainian Perspectives photography from the 1940s to now. Aloysio Wilmoth is a DJ and producer by the name 
E. Valencia, but you may know him famously as Mama PS5. If meme pages could be DJs and musicians performing at Coachella, Mama PS5 would be a headliner. Obviously, this would be called Meme Cella. The two embark on cultural criticism and the vibes were brought that day when I met those two. It's like when two Instagram pages make a meme together, tag each other and say, made with said IG name, but in real life. Please welcome Violetta Petro and Aloisa Wilmoff to wear many hats. Woo! <laughs> I feel so fucking gassed up after that intro. <laughs> yeah, that was official. <laughs> uh, I I love how um half of my description is probably taken from my old LinkedIn that I created when I was looking for a job in web development and like half of that is completely irrelevant at this point because I'm not a web developer. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. I it's it's interesting to like look up people online because I had a conversation recently about how security measures in America is different from elsewhere in the world. Like you can like look up anyone easily in the States, but elsewhere it's not like you can find people's like phone numbers online in the States. I'm yeah. just like, damn, you can totally find everything about me. Aloizo, definitely out yeah, there. Yeah, it's crazy. It's honestly it scares me a lot now. Yeah, it honestly scares me because like I was texting my agent like last night or this morning, I sent him like long paragraphs and I was just like, uh, we got to like change up like how you pitch me or book me or whatever. It The fact that we like when you because like so much information is online as for like a job, whatever, you have to like, control your narrative and like be agent. It's like, okay, this is what we do within the next year. And that's basically saying we're just like trying to create a whole new narrative with like bio, work bios or whatever. It's scary. Like a whole new narrative for, for your persona? Yeah. And like how people book me. I didn't know that like you can kind of lie. I mean, like, you know how people say you can lie on job applications? <laughs> yeah. It's, it's kind of the that's what... That's what Rashad just did with me. He kind of just lied about the fact that I'm a web <laughs> developer because I lied about the fact that I was a web developer on my LinkedIn. Well, I didn't I didn't technically lie. I was like looking for a job, but this is not who I am. But it sounds great. Yeah. Okay, then what are you? <laughs> um, clear my name. Clear my name. Yeah, I mean, uh No, you, I mean as in like what not like career wise. I'm not like I know this is a weird podcast that like talks about what you do but like as in like as a person what what who you are yeah uh i mean that's that's a very interesting question because um i was just gonna ask aloiso like how does it feel i wonder how does it feel when um you you reach a certain level of exposure that you start to realize that you have a certain kind of persona and you have to curate it because I'm not quite there yet but I feel like if I keep doing what I'm doing like I'm gonna have to like deal with that Violetta persona and I'm like so not looking forward to it um but technically I mean my job description is I'm currently a marketing ma manager I'm, I mostly work on marketing and communication side of St. Javelin, 
but when I was first hired, um, if if like, do I need to give an intro uh, to what Sinjalon is? Yeah. 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 Let's hear it. Okay. <laughs> so, um, St. Javelin started as a meme page, which turned into a social enterprise and basically a brand, a clothing brand, merchandise, clothing. We're trying to like get more into actually high quality clothing and fashion right now. But it did start as a, a social media page where we would share news and memes uh, covering the war in Ukraine. I was born and raised in Ukraine. I moved to Canada alone uh, when I was 15. Entirety of my family lives back home. Um, I have a lot of friends at home and I kept traveling back and forth. So I feel like I have a very close relationship with the country and the culture. Um, and I was actually in Ukraine when the war started, which we can get into <laughs> later on if you choose to. Uh, and uh, I was stranded in Ukraine for the first two weeks of full-scale invasion, um, falling asleep in bomb shelters and uh, waking up to explosions. Um, and when I came back to Canada, uh, I uh, I was looking for a job, but I was basically going insane <laughs> from the stress of everything that I had to go through. And I knew that if I just like take on some sort of corporate job, I would probably a feel extremely guilty for not helping my country enough. B just drive myself nuts because I'm I hate corporate culture. It's just not a good environment for me. So thankfully, I saw this page, Saint Javelin. Um, it was uh, it was created by a Canadian journalist um, and um, marketer. Uh, Christian Boris and uh, at, at the beginning he was just like sharing news and sharing memes and he was doing it alone and it was more like a page that he used for fundraising uh, he started with selling stickers and some merch and uh, because Ukraine was the biggest story in the world at the time it just became super successful people started following it and to me, in my eyes, that was like the only English speaking page which really understood Ukrainian sense of humor and uh, knew how to translate it um, to a broader audience, to like a Western audience. And basically someone sent me a story from a um, personal account of Christian. And uh, it said that he was looking for a marketing person. And uh, I didn't have formal marketing experience, but I used to have my personal blog and YouTube. So I was like, fuck, this is like the only thing that I was naturally good at. And I'm going to try to do it. I really want to get this job. Um, and, uh, yeah, he basically told me, okay, let's, let's do like a week trial period just to see if we jive. And two or three days later, he was like, okay, you're hired. <laughs> so yeah, that's how it's been. That's amazing. St. Javelin started when the war was going on. It's just, I know a lot of brands that started when specific events has happened as well. And then became big too. We've also had brands and and people on the show that talk about that as well when it started like either the black lives matter movement or like in the pandemic yeah that um, happened with me during the blm 2020 uprisings right oh moma ps5 yeah I, I would say it pretty much like got big during the uprisings yeah because i mean it like it existed before that but like that's when i got like a spike and it like jumped during that whole era, political era. Oh, I uh, I did not know that. I always thought it was uh, pre. It's like, does anyone did anyone start anything before? You know? 
Yeah, yeah. I definitely was around before, but I think like that was like broader visibility. I th yeah, I think I actually found out about your page at the time or at some point during the pandemic uh, on quarantine. I feel like that's when your page became a lot more active and gained more exposure. Ah, that makes sense. With visibility and like curation, it's it's real. It's it becomes a headache at a certain point. Yeah, like how do you how do you deal with that? Because um, it's like it just uh, it feels extremely unnatural in the beginning, and then I guess you just kind of have to get used to it and realize that you can never appear fully like yourself to the outside world, and there's this weird persona that you need to like curate. Yeah, I guess for me, because I'm so used to just like honestly posting whatever, posting like every thought <laughs> that comes to mind, even to the detriment <laughs> of myself, <laughs> that like I had to like take a, a split second before posting stuff and just like split up things over time. But I guess for like your work with St. Javelin, I like how y'all do it. I, you have like a pretty good flow of things so far so i wouldn't really worry too much whereas what i'm doing is just control chaos really i mean with saint javelin i feel a lot more at ease um in terms of just like creating content and posting in general because i'm doing that kind of like under a shield of this brand which is not me and that feels completely different when you're doing that from your personal account because then right. you're thinking okay what do people think about this? What do people think about me? Do they, I don't want people to think I'm opportunistic or something like that. Yeah, same, same. Like, I never want people to think I'm like too inaccessible, but at the same time, you do have to create space. Like, cause like all the people that I always liked, they're, they come off as like pretty cool or approachable or whatever. And like, I never want to be like that DJ who's just like too cool to, so it's like maintaining that sort of authenticity. Do people think that you're St. Javelin sometimes? Me? Yeah. Uh, no, that's actually the opposite. So because Christian started the page, uh, a lot of the people still assume that they're speaking to Christian. And um, I actually, I spend less time uh, like uh, posting content on the page currently because we hired more people, thankfully, to uh, help with the page. But um, for a good part of, like, for most part of last year, I was um, I was one of two people who were running the page. And um, in the DMs, people would usually be like, hey, Christian, or like, hey, dude, hey, bro. And, uh, like, I was just like, okay. <laughs> I realized that if you just, uh, if you just add dude to the end of the sentence, people just automatically assume that you're a guy. And I just did that to make them feel more comfortable, I guess. So smart. Yeah. Oh, wow. So St. Javelin at the time was like, uh, I mean, even though it was Christian, it kind of feels like a Patia's fantasy world type b because it's not always petit on the on the other yeah, end. yeah like multiple admins oh yeah yeah actually i've never like gotten too deep into like petit fantasy world uh, i don't know like thing on the internet because it's just like seemed so unhinged and uncontrolled it's just like another american thing that i don't fully get <laughs> yeah it's super unhinged I, I often play with the idea of having multiple admins and like 
giving someone else, like other people, access to my page to run. But for the most part, I just have like what I do instead. I just have like a manager, like, and she just be like, I check in with her every week or whatever, and she'll just like tell me stuff to do. Cause like the problem is, I have like a million thoughts and I don't know how to shave the fat. So like I would just kind of spaz out and send her like these long WhatsApp <laughs> messages. And she would just dissect it and tell me <laughs> what to do and like organize me. No, this is great. Sometimes I wish now I'm starting to think that, oh, my God, I need to like talk to someone about like my personal page and what I'm going to do with it. Because um, as I said before, I did have um, I did get like some sort of weird exposure. I think it was like five five or six years ago. Um, at the time, I was uh, in my um, all time high depression, immigration depression era. And um, I was extremely bored with school. Uh, I was at the university at the time. And um, I was vegan. <laughs> and I was not just vegan. I was like hardcore raw vegan. Whoa. And I started a YouTube blog about it. And uh, some of the videos went viral. Like, it was a lot at the time. It was like 600,000 views, 300,000 views, 200,000 views. And um, that was, uh, it just happened super quickly. And it was just too fucking overwhelming to me because, um, because I mean, there was a lot of things going on. I was making like a lifestyle blog about uh, being vegan, doing yoga, shit like that. During Petrova the raw vegan. Petrova vegan. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, I did that in Russian um, as well because um, that's my first language, unfortunately. Um, and uh, yeah, obviously, like when you get more exposure and your video goes viral you get a lot of like criticism and that was my first uh that was my first experience of like getting so much like shit from people at once and i was like whoa what the fuck <laughs> so being vegan were you also straight edge and into hardcore music no i wasn't that's an another american thing yeah, yeah, I was I was straight edge, but I wasn't into hardcore music. I was more like a new age type of type. Wow, of you don't have any tattoos too. I do. Oh, you do. Yeah. Must be like how many? Butt. I was gonna I was gonna sh uh, save that for like the the chest quote. Uh, oh, joke. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I do have three tattoos. I regret two of them, but the third one is pretty good. Yeah. <laughs> i usually associate this is just me like veganism with like all these like sailor jerry tattoos sometimes like growing up uh, yeah, yeah the very specific archetype like subculture people <laughs> yeah. yeah yeah and you don't strike me like that at all but like well, I, making a vlog of yeah i did like a whole 180 after that um they all do yeah yeah <laughs> And I did, and I did have like my entire arc of like coming out and saying that you know this is not very good for your health, and uh, like I'm actually on the brink of like destroying my body. Um, it was it was a weird um era in my life, but I yeah because because I felt this uh, pressure to um I I felt very much responsible for like inspiring some people to uh followed the the type of lifestyle that i was showing online that like 
for some time i went under self-imposed like i grounded myself from the internet i took away my internet privilege and i told myself okay you're not allowed on the internet because the first time you went on the internet it didn't turn out well so you're gonna behave so i kind of just like went under radar for a couple of years because uh because yeah it was just a lot to process <laughs> is the um, is the channel still up the channel, uh, yeah, but I... You're going to do some digging and try to find that? <laughs> oh, my God, please don't, because, uh, because yeah, like, I can't look at those videos. Um, I'm, like, se severely underweight in those videos, and it's, like, you can tell, like, this person is not doing well. Petrova veganism. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that, that's so fucked up, but that that's kind of, like, that's the reason why I have... So, I think on my Instagram, I have, like, six... 6,000-something uh, followers right now. Uh, and I did get some followers when the war started in Ukraine because I was reposting stuff. But most of that audience is, like, leftover audience from those years. And um, when my Instagram was at an all-time high, I had, like, 17K. Uh, so, you know, like, not huge, but, like, niche microscope. Yo, that's huge in my boat. Yeah, everyone yeah. be, like... Like, it's... The following account is just so bizarre to me as... I was going through the name Momo. He Aloizo. Like yeah. I feel like the more followers you get, it's just gonna keep getting overwhelming. And you just like you wake up every day, you look at that that count. I it's it's already poisoning my other friends. They just yeah. like I, I when I was like tra traveling recently and like meeting a lot of people, I can't believe how many people wanted to tell me like oh, I'm changing my career to like influencer. And it's mm -hmm. just like that's cool go off and they have <laughs> and, they, and, and they have like this like they already have like this like following account and look i i post a lot too as well but i like my bubble right now because of like how many followers i have as like a low count like i'm i'm low b right now and i i'm like really happy with it i just feel like the more i get it's starting it will like i feel yeah like it does get to your head. I've definitely had moments when I've been like, okay, I'm doing too much and I need to like calm down. But I guess like the way I operate, I still operate as if I'm like within the bubble. Like to me, like even if I'm like messaging like a celeb or someone, I'm messaging them the same way as if I'm messaging like a troll. I'm sending them like voice message, clowning them. Like I'm like, I, I see <laughs> I'm treating everyone as the same. So I guess it's different for me because like even the whole influencer thing, even like influencer DJs, I find them to be very corny. Like I would log into my Instagram and like scroll and like all the DJs are doing the same thing and i'm just like this is kind of corny like the way i use instagram i don't really watch people's stories or nothing i just like i i don't know i use it in the weird way it's just like i'm in my own little world and then just disappear and log off <laughs> what do what do djs currently like what's the trend among djs right now on instagram <laughs> Like when they play a gig at like Bergen or whatever, they'll take a photo outside of the club. Yeah, well, that I know. Uh, but then <laughs> I mean, sometimes when you like go on a page of like a bigger DJ, they also have like these uh, higher production 
but still like they, they try to make it look like um it's backstage like they're, they're taking yeah like, they have like a no cameraman in the dj booth i'm yeah, like stop but, but, it's, but it's like high production it's like really good quality and it's like there's no way you would get like such quality on just a phone recording when you're playing in the club so it's like they hire people to yeah take they have like videographers and i'm just like why are you doing this you're not like an actor they'd be having like videographers in the dj booth they all do the same thing it's kind of weird and then like they'll try to be like dancing a certain way or play like a like a banger and i'm just like okay like everybody's yeah. like playing the same festival and just like dance with their hands yeah <laughs> it's like these <laughs> gimmicks i love yeah it's it's really funny but you know we laugh about it but the thing is i feel like people becoming personas like that's they're just kind of like reading the room and they're saying that um this is what our world is right now everyone has shifted online and uh i guess some people just realized that uh creating a persona would be more profitable for them than just like i don't know working a job like working a formal job in corporate world or something i don't know no one wants to do that anymore yeah yeah no one wants to get a real job look we're look look at us yeah but yeah. like to be honest <laughs> I'm I'm like I'm super happy with uh um the stuff that I do right now because I feel like I'm I I have this weird cross of like actually having a lot of very normal job responsibilities but doing them like uh, in this weird online uh modern I don't know like yeah th this online environment um so it's still chaotic which I like <laughs> but um like for example i would design uh, some of my job responsibilities right now include uh, writing press releases or designing a newsletter writing copy so those things i feel like they ground me but then i can still go online and post memes and talk shit on the internet and both of the things feel really fulfilling <laughs> memes i know like a long time ago I know currently right now colleges are moving fast with like all these new classes that pop up. Like, I don't know what's going on in like regular school system and they're teaching whatever. But when I was in school, I took an advertising class where I had to make memes for one of my projects. Like it might as well have been called like a meme class. And, and now like memes are so big and I mean, this is pre NFTs. So like, this is, it's like a whole thing. And, even my friends want me to help them make like gifts. Everyone's on the same page. Yeah, it base it dictates like big business. It reminds me of Balenciaga. How like I mean, like the clothing is good, but for the most part, it's they. It's basically just like very couture, memeified culture. Like if you look at like their advertising campaigns and like how they're able to be in this zeitgeist of like digital culture and stuff it's interesting like how demina things yeah balenciaga and vetements comes to mind there was just recently an article which i'm not gonna lie that i read it because i didn't but if you go on essence right now they did post an article recently about how the role of creative director has turned into a meme and I just like quickly skimmed it through, but basically like the arguments that they're making is that between like the biggest fashion houses recently, uh, there are like three or four kind of like the biggest creative directors um, that work in the fashion industry and they have like changed 
their positions. Like they jumped back and forth in between these fashion houses and uh, only worked there for like half a year. And then like a fashion house would like hire someone else um because because the fashion world just like everything else everything changes so quickly that they need another person to like i don't know tr uh, translate their vision but it's not it's not how things operated like 20 30 years ago now someone just uh comes on does kind of like their best i don't know gives their best idea and then they like leave for something else so it just feels very um short-lived and meme-like because instead of actually like uh going deeper into uh th their creative essence and translating that throughout seasons and collections they kind of like do they bang bang out one collection with like their i don't know things that they're most known for and then they leave for something else totally complex like put it out an article saying asap rocky is creative directing his kids' outfits. I'm like, oh, you mean just like <laughs> clothes? <laughs> yeah, they just take like celebs and put them at Talk the face of a brand. Cause I like how you you talked about like the role of a creative director, a designer has changed. Cause probably like for the most part, when these people get appointed heads of brands or whatever, they're probably not necessarily doing the same job a designer did 30 years ago they're not no. literally like sitting in a room draping and cutting fabric alongside like inside of a um and is it is, is it atelier like when yeah, yeah, they, yeah it's more or less they're just like a, a idea person so they probably would just like it reminds me of like what virgil abloh did he would just be like sitting on whatsapp with the team of designers or d whatever and just like give them the cultural knowledge and then they would design something. They would just like come back to him and he would just curate it. And you don't even have to be sitting in like a studio cutting fabric or whatever to do these jobs anymore. You could do it remotely. The blue check is now the creative director. Oh no. <laughs> yeah. Buy blue checks now on Instagram. That's crazy. You can buy blue checks. You can bu yeah. You can buy blue blue checks on on instagram twitter it destroyed twitter it like it, it destroyed <laughs> it you were trolling so much jesus christ it's like there's so much drama for me personally because um um for us like twitter actually um brings a lot more conversions um compared to uh com compared to instagram so like we have more, uh, our audience is bigger on Instagram, but people mostly go into our page on Instagram to look at memes and share memes. But with Twitter, it's like more people are willing to look at our tweets and buy. So um, <laughs> I, I always like looked at Twitter. I, I enjoy it more because as corny as it sounds, I prefer to read. I like reading. <laughs> um, yeah, and uh, I like reading people's thoughts. And uh, I like I loved our Twitter account, and now like the entire thing is fucking ruined by Elon Musk, because um um we actually we bought a blue check because there was some point when uh, I couldn't upload a large video file, so like a, a couple of months back I think I bought a blue check to upload a video and now everyone's being stripped of their blue check marks and we still have ours and it makes us look like douchebags we're like fuck <laughs> when is it gonna stop that's wild that i've 
this is the first time I ever heard anyone buy a blue check, but all for like a good reason, just to upload a video, yeah. not to be like, I'm better than you. Yeah, it helps with visibility in business. We did, we did already have a blue check mark. So like pre-Elon um, or like, oh my God, when did he come on Twitter? That was like last summer. I, last, I believe so. That's yeah. when my stocks yeah. were going down. Yeah. Uh. Anyways, so like pre-Elon, we did like we fought so hard to get that blue check mark because for us a huge problem was uh, our content constantly getting flagged because when obviously when you're posting about war it's either you know you post a clip that's um a bit more um how do you call it like I don't know like th there's more violence or things explicit yeah yeah it's yeah. it's more explicit or there were also times when for example we would post a screenshot from Russian Telegram channels with like. Uh, Russian people openly saying, like, calling for genocide of Ukrainians, but because AI would, like, read it as, uh, like, words um, that in incite violence, they would turn down, delete our post and basically, like, flag our account. So in order to avoid getting deleted, um, we, uh, like, we fought really hard to get our blue check uh, on Twitter, specifically because Twitter allows for a bit more the like Twitter allows you to post a bit more graphic stuff uh, as compared to Meta and Instagram. And then we felt really- More graphic stuff. I mean, porn is basically on Twitter. Yeah. 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 And then- it's the wild west. We felt super pissed off because then Elon went on and he started selling blue check marks. And uh, it took us like a couple of months of just like fighting to get that thing. <laughs> and then people could just buy it for like seven bucks. And then we still had to buy one because, like, they basically took away our authentic original blue check mark. So, yeah, I don't know what's going on with Twitter. Authentic blue check. That's that's way better than buying one. <laughs> blue check. I've been like trying to get one on Instagram forever. They just, I don't know. I like authentic blue check. I've been trying to get one on Instagram forever. Like I keep applying for it, for it and they won't give me one. So I'm thinking about maybe just buying one. I don't know why they won't give me like a regular blue check. <laughs> Guess I'm not cool enough. Uh, is it is it the same on Instagram as Twitter? Because like on Twitter, you have to, you have to show press basically like. Yeah, they basically like show like multiple versions of you be in public figure or whatever and you upload your, your like your id and i guess like a team of people get to pick and choose and like i've did it several times and i don't qualify i don't know why yeah, so i'm just like i'm gonna buy they it they didn't give uh saint javelin blue check mark even after like most of major publications like washington post uh, new york times wrote about us because uh because um twitter hates uh, ukrainians like let's just be real um, and uh, it basically like downvotes Ukrainian themed content, so we couldn't get it. So we had to like get it through a connection. Mm, we had some sort of a weird connection through a uh, Ministry of Digital Transformation in Ukraine, and uh, they knew someone inside Facebook. No, yes, um, inside Facebook and inside Twitter, and they helped us get a blue check mark on Twitter, and they also helped us recover our account when it got taken down on Instagram. Wow. The yeah. things that you do yeah that's crazy always got to have an inside man that makes perfect sense i i wonder if things were to go left right would you feel some type of way so if 
suddenly one day, like Momo PS5, we're like just shut down because accounts go away and people, yeah, people are devastated. Like, how would your mental feel? Like, it's saying, oh, this happened to me a few times before on Twitter. Like, on Twitter, I used to have a huge following, like two or three accounts ago. And, like, I would, I would be trolling politicians. <laughs> My account would get flagged if it goes down. Like, if an account goes down, so like I could make a new one, and I'm pretty sure they would like find it. it that's the point I'm at now. Yeah, I feel like you're at a point that like some part of your audience would just automatically migrate to your account, like the new one that you make. Yeah, I want to move my audience off of Instagram, to be honest. Like, I'm over it. Really? Where, where do you want to migrate? I don't know. I, I Maybe I could, like, hire a web developer or something to, like, make a forum or an app or something. No. But I feel like people will follow me off of it to something. Mm, yeah, I mean, in, in a perfect world. But I still feel like because people use uh, their social media to, like, look at their friends' stories and things like that, they will still use Instagram and, and Twitter. So, like, I don't know how realistic it is to try to, like, force people to migrate migrating that's hilarious only because of the fact that i feel that all of our followers are just like following from other people's accounts and so i'm just putting out all this like work and if some i mean i'm already i'm not getting flagged but i'm i feel like i'm getting shadow banned here and there but if yeah. my account goes away i'm i'm done like i don't care like i'm not making another one because that was all that was like a lot of work yeah. to do Making yeah. all these gifts and looking at all these faces. I'm just like, yo, that's it. I'm t throwing in the towel. Uh, I feel you. Would you not, like, I don't know. Well, in, instead of just, like, uh, starting a new one and reposting all of your old content, would you not just, like, create a new one and, like, I don't know, basically start from scratch? No. <laughs> well, I don't know. That's it's hard it's hard it's like it's like all that blood sweat and tears all those days of just like creating content I, yeah remember that day um remember when things were like greener yeah yeah but remember that day when uh everyone got really spooked when uh instagram stopped working for like mm -hmm. a day? I, oh, I, I loved it I I thought it was like wow this is happening you know I was like this is happening. I thought my account got banned I I logged in I was scared for like four hours I was like did my account get flagged I was so mad I was like dang did I get banned and I found out it was just Instagram glitching I was so mad like yeah. I loved it only because of the fact that I just I thought it was like the end and yeah. we were all going down together and I was like, okay, like, this is great. I can go outside again. You know, like, <laughs> yeah. like I, I just, like, thought that, like, we're all on the same page again. Like, back from zero, no blue checks. Like, we're just, like, I know someone's going to start, like, something else again. But the only people that I personally think that would suffer the most is, like, photographers. Because that's what, like, Instagram was started was from photo. Mm -hmm. Now, Now it's from photo to, like, whatever. Like, if you have a business... You know? This shit is turned from like photos into like Amazon Marketplace. Like, what the fuck? Like, <laughs> yeah. Every time I log into the app, people trying to sell me shit and bots tagging, like <laughs> Russian bots tagging me and like 
market shares. I'm like, I can't even read this. It's so crazy. Like, yeah, we did. We did a shared post with uh, Aloizo after our shared panel, and uh, I got a bit. Yeah. I got like his little share of like Russian bots in my account. And I was like, what the fuck? You have to deal with this every day. <laughs> Yeah, it's like 15-year-olds writing essays <laughs> and stuff. And I'm just like, like, go outside. Yeah, like, I, I told her that this was going to happen. I was just like, when we do this panel and the talk and the post, like, the trolls, they're going to come out the woodwork. Because, like, all these people, they sit in group chats. And they just, like, they, they bully people. Like, they all sit in group chats and just, like, pick targets over time or whatever. You have, like the like the super political nerds theory nerds and then you have like the super votnik media grifters and they all like overlap with each other and they just like sit online and bully people to kind of like reinforce the weird like conspiracy worldview it's so weird i'm so not used to it anymore just like on my personal page because uh after like I stopped I stopped my vegan posting I basically like lost the fans like like the people that were not not my friends not the people that I knew but like people who subscribed without knowing me because they subscribed to my content so now I no longer like really get any random people in my comments or anything but then when we did the shared post I was like oh it's wild west again <laughs> I feel that uh since all this began I've learned how to manage the trolls and I realized deep down how much I love conspiracy theories. Yeah. Do you get any trolls in your comments? No, I don't get trolls. Um, it's it's pretty uh wholesome over at the Wear Many Hats like podcast realm, but I just I have a lot of you know people that want to come on the show and and that's fine, but those that come out of the woodwork and like want to troll, I, I would just, I think I would just laugh. I haven't dealt with a, a troll yet, but if I had to deal with a troll, it would, it, it would be interesting. It would be interesting on Twitter I though. I had dealt with the troll once on Twitter. I can't, believe, I can't believe you're saying if I had to deal with the troll, it's like, I feel like everyone on the internet deals with trolls. Every Eventually. Yeah. You'll get to a level. They'll come for like the wear many hats. Like, <laughs> The trolls, they 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 will come. Like trust me, and like you you'll get you have like regular trolls, and then you have like like specific people who are just like they swear they don't like you, but they're so invested in like watching the progress and like basically like dedicated haters. And like to me, those are the funniest because like they'll always comment on something and they'll just say something like really backhanded and i'm just like wow you really like dedicated to being a hater it's funny you uh, never turn the comments off oh yeah i've done that sometimes on different stuff just like because i know i would get annoyed some um aloizo has like a dedicated hater that i mean you you've got so many creeps you've got like a person who legitimately like almost stalks you and tweets about you for a year like what the fuck somebody made like a whole account and it's just like they just been obsessively tweeting about me for a year it's so weird like it's very like hyper specific like every 
few weeks, like they will make like specific tweets about me. I don't know why they've been doing it for like a whole year. It's so weird. I would be so scared, to be honest. I would be like actually scared shitless if I saw like a, because like if person does that and you don't have any interaction, they're they're mentally unwell. Like they're they're probably crazy. And they have some sort of, like, weird, deranged reason to keep tweeting about you. And I would just be scared that they would, like, be waiting for me, like, outside. Or, I don't know, like... Yeah, come to a show or something and, like, give me a gift or throw a milkshake or something on me. It's obsessive behavior. Like a shrine in their closet or something. Did you guys think that you guys were going to have... Um, did you guys have, like, a backup plan or anything when you had the discussion? Uh that maybe maybe if someone was gonna come through right like either a, a protest or like there's gonna throw someone throw a fucking shake shack burger like at the at our panel yeah at your panel um no i mean like i don't know about you Aloysio, but <laughs> i was actually like waiting for like some hater to show up uh, me and Ira, like um, Ira, who was the organizer of the exhibition, um, she uh, she was like, let's let's call up the Red Scare podcast girls. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because... I feel like Ira would like physically like fight them. She would just like kick them. Oh no, definitely she would like uh, win them in a wrestling match for sure. But um, I don't know. I feel like that would have made things even more interesting. I'd love that. <laughs> Yeah, I was fully prepared. I had, like, arguments ready if, like, certain people from, like, certain political groups would, like, show up during Q&A and, like, try to argue with me. I had, like, stuff written in, like, because with stuff, like, with the with public things, you're always going to have, like, naysayers or people who try to disrupt. So I was prepared for that to happen. But yet, at the same time, I know that Honestly, like a majority of these people who act like that, they they don't participate in nothing in real life. Like a lot of this just exists online because they can hide behind their screen. Like it's a different ball game when you have to argue or defend your points in person. And like a lot of these people, they just exist online. They're cowards in real life. Yeah, that's a hundred percent. That's something that I had to realize um, after basically like working online right now like curating a social media page i just came to a realization that a lot of the times like the 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 haters or like people people who act like trolls online that should only exist in online reality like you never i never had anyone um say some of the things that like people would write in the comments online like that just never happened in real life and i feel like it's just like borderline uh, on online behavior. Yeah, because I feel like a lot of stuff that the people say to you and the, like the Ukrainian diaspora online, if they said that to a Ukrainian person in in real life, they, they, I'm pretty sure they would get laughed out of a room, yeah. like or <laughs> just like they'd be like, "You, you're crazy!" Like, <laughs> yeah. Um, and uh, the same way it was like. With my personal blog, like people, uh, well, pe people would be just mean in the comments on YouTube and things like that. But I've never heard like negative feedback from people in real life. 
And uh, that's just something that like I had to remind myself because I was younger and I was like more upset about like reading angry comments online. And I just had to be yeah. like, just focus on like what real people in real life are saying. And that we did get that weird. Remember at the end, that weird person who like came in and was talking about like Lenin or whatever. <laughs> and I was like, oh, here we go. <laughs> I was just like, uh... like the older couple yeah yeah um there was an older couple that walked in our after our panel and they gave us printouts about like a communist approach some like weird trotskyists or whatever Yeah, or like socialist so they were pro-ukrainian but they were still like socialists and they were like uh they gave us a printout to like a socialist plan on rebuilding ukraine something like that i actually still still have a printout at home and uh, it's pretty wild because like the first few paragraphs are like normal they're talking about how russia acted as an aggressor so just like straight up facts but then afterwards they're like okay let's try to rebuild ukraine uh under marxist agenda and i'm like no this is not what we're trying to do That's them, like, them older Trotskyist parties, like, <laughs> especially in big cities. You always have these old people that show up to political protests or panels or whatever, and they usually belong to, like, weird fringe Trotskyist parties that split up into a million factions in the late 80s. And, like, the key thing that they always do, they always have these pamphlets that they hand to, they, like, they evangelize, like, they're, like, Jehovah's Witnesses or or something with the the, the pamphlet. I feel like pamphlet, <laughs> and it's always these old people. Pamphlet is like a feature of mental illness. A pamphlet <laughs> is definitely like so yeah. in um in New York City on on the metro on MTA. If you see someone starting to hand out like a pamphlet for like the church, from, yeah. bi- from big church, you're just like, oh, here we go, here we go, here we go. Yeah, uh, join my cult. <laughs> Here in Toronto, um, like I'm, I'm based in Toronto, and basically there is the there is the small, like the biggest mall in downtown Eden Center, and there's this guy giving out pamphlets about uh about Jesus, but the thing is, has been there for seven years. The seven years I spend in the city, every time I have to go to the mall for some reason, the guy is there, and I'm like, Jesus, like the dedication. <laughs> a pamphlet he's a warrior for jesus yeah yeah it's like i i just like couldn't imagine someone do that for so many years anyways how did we end up here how no did... i i just like i love i i love i love i love the the it goes to like unwell i guess right so i don't know handing out the pamphlets don't you think them handing out pamphlets is like equivalent to us making zines half the time yeah uh or even making memes yeah because it's like your propaganda candizing a message yeah across the mass definitely a new form of like leaflet uh propaganda have you heard about the, the <laughs> our, our savior Lenin? I just can't get over that. I was just like, I was like, it's 2023. Why are you talking about Lenin? <laughs> like, like, dog, read the room. Like, you, you literally just walk into a room <laughs> and like full of Ukrainians and you talking about Lenin. I'm just like, fam, yeah. like, 
what are you doing here <laughs> it's like it's like guys you you probably like you'll never you'll never fully understand how weird this is to me because um I remember the first time when I started university in Canada, uh, in my first year, I walked into a lecture class and I see someone with a hammer and sickle pin on their back. Oh my God. And I'm like, <laughs> what? Why? Like, I was, I was genuinely distraught and like surprised that anyone would put like a symbol that we in Ukraine associate with like the worst time, the worst like time in our lives, um, in, in our like family history. And I see like people putting that that symbol so nonchalantly on on their backpacks and just like accessorizing their rooms with like flags with hammer and sickle and shit like that. And I was just like, what? Don't you like how are you guys celebrating it? They like enforced famine onto our country. Yeah. <laughs> um, but people just straight up don't know any of that. And they associate it. I feel like in America people have their own bubble of what they what they think socialism is what they think communism is but they never had to live through that right. so they're like yeah this idea is great but i'm like the reality is horrible <laughs> trust me yeah people only look at stuff like aesthetics versus yeah. lived experience th th that's so true i feel like in the in here unfortunately everything has been reduced down to aesthetics yeah people have no like lived uh, experience of some of the things that they're praising and uh, th that just basically means that they don't know what they're talking about and when you but then when you point that out to them and say that you know i don't think you fully understand what is what you're celebrating they're like they give you all those pdfs and they give you the quotes and they give you like the high level knowledge of the topic and i'm like yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. but you never had to live through that and my grandparents did yeah, yeah, because I, I like how you say about like the famines and stuff. Because like I would see people, they would be arguing with the Ukrainian diaspora, and like the number one thing that they would do, they would be sending people. There's this this scholar. He's like a professor. His name is Grover Fur, and he's he basically writes these crazy books defending Stalin, and he's basically like a genocide denier in the West. And I'm just like, fam, you're literally like quoting a conspiracy like <laughs> theorist to people who actually had to live through these eras. It's like it yeah. there's like a lack of uh I don't know, understanding. It's so weird. I'm just like, why are y'all quoting a genocide denier to actual people? Yeah. <laughs> like I, it's weird. I feel like we turned this podcast episode back into our panel <laughs> again. Yeah, some ways. As it should be. It's like, uh, I don't want to say it's like a part two, but I think it's going to be a continuum because, yeah, yeah. well, hats off to you two and everything that you do for some just start wearing high solutions. I feel that like a documentary is like kind of being made and like yeah. you, you, they should be featuring both you guys in there with your thoughts do you like do i was gonna ask you aloizo do you want to keep doing this i kind of feel like we would have a yeah we could <laughs> like i remember what i told you when we went to that club i was just like it could be like a whole extended series that's why if i actually can get into the country or whatever like imagine the sort of stuff yeah. that could be documented long term especially like interacting 
yeah. with the music scene and, and it and it doesn't have to be limited to Ukraine. I just feel like Ukraine as like a story right now is a good lens to adopt to kind of like uh look at the larger issues of colonialism in the world. Um yeah, like we're bridging onto that anti-imperialist framework basically develops like a new um a new understanding or like an updated version of anti-imperialism and like what the face of imperialism looks like within yeah. the, a modern day context yeah. looking at the east and whatnot not to not to like reduce the experience the horrific experience of people who are going through it right now but right now this is like our best opportunity to look at Ukraine is a case study of repercussions of uh, imperialism and colonialism uh, in the world because, like, this shit just keeps unraveling every day and, like, we gotta study it right now. Like, right now is the best time to um, to be glued to it. If we... Agreed. <laughs> if we were to make a meme together, all three of us, what would it be? Hmm... Um, all three of us. Oh fuck! Oh, there was a there was this awesome meme, uh, about Aloisio. Um, he was like Photoshop. You know this meme? How do I even describe it? You know this like Chad, uh, face like like profile of a facing, uh, like a soy jack. Yeah, 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 but like but but like a Chad one, uh, a blonde one. But then someone like Photoshop him to look like you. And on one side, on one side of the meme, there were like Vatniks and like uh, I don't like weird liberals spewing their bullshit with like comments online, and then it was like your profile just being like, like so stoic, stoically looking at them, being like, no, like I'm not listening to something like that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it would just be like soy jacks made in our images like facing trolls yeah I, I i feel like i didn't do a great job of describing that meme but that's that's how it works you can never describe a meme but uh yeah i feel like for three of us it would be like a like a definitely like a mix of my uh ukrainian propaganda and then your cultural criticism and then wear many hats you just gotta bring like something wholesome to the <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I'm just I'm just chilling. <laughs> Perfect. That fits the meme. Like chilling and touching grass, basically. <laughs> yeah, I'm like I'm like this internet warrior um with right. I don't know, with like with like a sword and then I have like my my small uh Ukrainian like the right sector uh red and black flag <laughs> pinned on me and <laughs> <laughs> and and you and you Rashad, you're just like touching grass. Um and you Aloiso, you're like on my shoulder because <laughs> you're like an advisor, but also like yeah, uh, I don't know, like a cherub on my shoulder, always helping, always overlooking. <laughs> always helping, always overlooking. Yeah, if you were to get a chest tattoo quote, what would it be? You oh me? Yeah. I don't know. I still want like a Ukrainian tattoo. I don't know what it would be, honestly. Like I want something on my neck, like the back of my neck. 
or something. I don't know, like daddy or something. <laughs> <laughs> oh, the daddy. Oh my god. It's it's like it's from the conversation you were having with Ira, right? Yeah. Um, so we were telling him how um Aloysio needs to get a father tattoo in Ukrainian, but like father written in Ukrainian, uh, which is tato uh, uh, or batko. But th- there's like a funnier version of saying batko, which is bata, which is like a more cool way to say uh, dad. But it's not like daddy in like a weird, sexy way. It's like it's like it's like dude a cross between dude and dad so that's <laughs> <laughs> um and then for me i guess um the funny part is that i do already have a tattoo it's not really on my chest but it's like on my rib cage um and uh, it says discipline in sanskrit because i was that new age person <laughs> Wow, you went deep down the. <laughs> I got that tattoo because uh, because I always wanted to remind myself that if I fully dedicate myself to one task, I can achieve anything <laughs> or something like that. So yeah, discipline. But I don't know, on ta- uh on my chest, mm, I'm so mentally stable. It's insane. Oh, that's good. <laughs> that's good. That's a really good one. <laughs> And discipline is not the one you regret. No, discipline is not the one I regret. Because you cannot regret discipline. <laughs> <laughs> but you can regret all the Sailor Jerry tattoos. When you went <laughs> vegan <laughs> or something. <laughs> <laughs> Plug your socials. Where can people find you? Hmm? Plug your uh, social media accounts. Where can people find you? So uh, people can find me um, either on Instagram as Violet Earth, or they can follow Saint Javelin account on Instagram or Twitter. And you, Loizo? Oh, I mean, you can find me <laughs> at Moma PS Five. Just put it in Google. The chaos will come up. You, if you know, you know. So self-explanatory well thank you you two for coming on wear many hats it was great to have you guys thank you so much for having us it was fun being on again this is lit (laughs) yeah this is lit this is like my favorite my favorite group of people here (laughs) what did you think of the last episode uh with Aloizo and Harry oh that was fun with Harry yeah like, that was real fun. I didn't I didn't expect it to turn out the way it did for lit. What about you? Well, I I didn't listen to the whole thing to be honest, but I did I did like it um cuz like usually you do have one one guest, right? And uh, I feel like when you have two guests it's like it's an interesting dynamic because there's an opportunity for them to intermingle and uh, I don't know, like have more natural conversation. I kind of prefer when there are like three people on the episode to be honest. So I'm glad I brought out our spe- secret special guest. When I got the email, I was so high. I was like, oh, shoot. I was like, say less. <laughs> yeah, call me in. I didn't know. I had no idea. So that was a surprise, a nice surprise to me. Well, we're all about surprises here on the Wear Many Hats show. <laughs> Till next time, this is Wear Many Hats presented by Jassar and I'm Rashad. Peace. Woo-hoo.